millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, I'm Jason Aaron. I write Thor, God of Thunder, and other books about dudes with big hammers, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Butterfly in the sky with robotic wings and eyes. Stick a look, it's in a book. Nerdy show book. Books are like comic books, but with more words and brain pictures. Nerdy show book. It might go anywhere. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we got it covered. Thank you, Colin. You're welcome. I've heard it many times. I'm sure you have. I'm sure every <laughs> listener has, and they're sick. They know it. They're sick of me saying it, but you know, sooner or later, some some new person just going to wander in here, and we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. Hey, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Colin. Hey, I'm Brandon. I'm John. And you've just stumbled yourself into a Nerdy Show book club. What? Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Hex will be joining us shortly. I don't like books. I, I, I There's so many that's words. Why, that's why every single time we wonder, is Brandon going to come back this episode? The only reason I do this is because you get some sort of government credit for teaching me how to read or <laughs> something. <laughs> something that you've told me on the first episode. I, I haven't... This is the most... This is the most many amount of books I ever done read. It, <laughs> it hard. Reading hard without picture if you're following along with uh with the the nerdy show book club episodes uh that we put out then you'll know that the book that we were reading along with the community this time was neuromancer suggested by hex i happened to be reading it at the time and hex said hey i want i want to read that here's an excuse so uh hex will be coming on for our review of neuromancer by william gibson well there's a lot of things we should say about it wait is it neuromancer or neuromancer the one about robert de niro because i may have read the wrong book uh, you, it's about a man who learns to control um, Robert De Niro, Neuromancer, uh, his mind. It is not the erotic fan fiction about Robert De Niro, Neuromancer. Okay, but that needs to exist now. So Neuromancer, uh, in brief, it is the cyberpunk novel. The, the, whole, the genre of cyberpunk was not but a gleam in its daddy's eye until Neuromancer happened, and it sort of changed everything. In fact, the word cyberspace actually comes from this book. Not Well, not this book specifically. It was popularized by this book. Gibson actually created it in a previous work, a short story. This was his first novel. 
Um, and it's the winner of the Hugo Nebula and Philip K. Dick Awards, a little trick that they call the triple crown of science fiction. This was the hardest book I have ever read. Out of all five books that I've read, this was the hardest. What, what made it the hardest? It's pretty dense. Here's how this book works if you've never read one before. Uh, let me explain this one. Well, all books? You, <laughs> you, you start reading Neuromancer. Yes. And you're, ex- you're suddenly thrust into a world where there's a whole new set of vocabulary words that you, you don't know and that you're not supposed to know of. If you do, I have no idea how. They basically should have a dictionary that comes with this book to explain what's going on. Every other sentence in this book is like, I don't know what that is. Moving on. What is that? Moving on. He just mentioned this type of thing that doesn't exist. I guess someone knows what that is. Moving on. So but, that's how it read for me. Well, that's and it's true. It does have a bit of a learning curve in that way. However, isn't the same as, say, Ridley Walker, which is pretty much like phonetics and slang and stuff from a, a world that's a world that's ended and everything's been rewritten. We discussed it in a previous episode or for or maybe like <clears throat> Clockwork Orange, which does come with a dictionary. I want you to explain this one sentence I've written down, Cap. There's a sentence, and I was just like, I'll just write it down. Maybe Cap will explain it to me. Okay. Here it goes. And maybe I just don't have a big enough, or a, a large enough vocabulary to understand it, but, but here's a sentence. Balloon tired Dre stacked with hides. Well, what was the context of the sentence? That's something to do with a car, and they drove by something, yeah, and he actually, said it looked like a balloon. Yeah, what that is, is that they had a cart, and it was stacked with hides, and as a result, the tires were ballooning out the side from the excess weight. Is that literally it? A balloon tired Dre stacked with hides. What's a Dre? Is it a cart? A cart. I okay, guess see, the Dre is actually a cart, yeah. My vocabulary is not that, like, comprehensive well, also, it takes, it takes a little bit of intuition. Sometimes Gibson gets poetic, and that was a very poet-slanted sentence. And, yeah, like, especially in the beginning. It's I don't know. Heavy. I don't know what a G-Web is or an S-A pyramid. That stuff was definitely just sort of, you know, an acronym heavy. You're just, yes. what is? Well, this book is very, I would categorize this as a hard science fiction novel. You know, you have the science fiction novels, but this is a hard science fiction novel where they are making up words, where they are, um, where the language is very dense, where some of the concepts are someone who's not necessarily involved with either science or interested in science or like, I don't think that I don't think a necessarily an average human being could just pick up this book and go, wow, what a great book. I'm an average human being. Yes. I will tell you that I tried to cram the rest of this book into last night, uh, which I failed, but I got through a, I got through like half of the book last night. Yeah. And it was way more enjoyable for me to speed read it because it felt more action packed. Like things were things were happening faster. Well, like, things, actually, uh, things actually do happen faster later in the well, book. The, the so thi- that may have helped. <laughs> well, the thing yeah. is, when in I was, fact, I'd actually say that the, the latter half of the book is actually only about a quarter of the first part and length of time to take to read. All right. Um, now, because I mean, I guess it's appropriate since it's in 2013 and we're we do stuff via the internet sometime. Uh, Hex is coming to us via the internet. Nothing special for Nerdy Show and nothing special for 2013. But, via satellite. But link. I mean, in the context of Neuromancer, then, you know, it's the future present. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing is that I'm actually in the studio and right, Hex that's, is that's on weird. Skype. Yeah. That is weird. You guys lost that bet or to you were going to trade places for a day. So no, he's... I just can't stand having Hex in the same room as me. So <laughs> I, he has to and, be somewhere else. And, and I can't stand. Yeah, it's the same here. Like exactly. the one thing Colin and I can agree on is how much we hate each other. Yes. I just thought he traveled out of state because you guys couldn't be in the same state together. No. Well, no, he, he's no, in, he's yeah, in Florida right that, now. That, no, I know. I just that, thought it was funnier that, that way. Order. And um, 
I don't want to talk about that too much. Yeah, okay. we can't. Based on what our attorneys have told us, we can't really discuss that on the air. <laughs> okay. Right. So yeah, before we get into some of the some of the deeper uh, uh, reviews of the book, let's talk about some of the. Let's just talk about the book as a whole. Like, what's let's summarize it right. for the listeners. In, in short, Neuromancer <laughs> is the story of a guy who used to be a, a what the future equivalent of a computer hacker is, but he did some dirty deals and ended up getting his entire nervous system fried because that's the sort of thing you need to jack into the internet in the future. He betrayed the company that hired him and thought like, oh, here's some data. I can make a lot of money on it. They found out, fried him. Right. Right. So he's, he's, uh, he's disabled essentially. And he's, probably gonna get killed or kill himself right because um, he the, the his purpose in life is now over yeah, yeah uh and he gets picked up by this strange rich man with this bizarre sexy assassin they have a job for him and offer to well the deal is that they will use some new sciences to give him back his abilities and it's all very hush hush and then the end result is once they start digging and doing all the various operations to get things moving they find out that they're actually working for an artificial intelligence, which is something that's very heavily policed, and there's a whole division of law enforcement keeping <clears throat> AIs from having a certain amount of freedom, looks like what they're going to be doing is busting this AI out of its framework. That's essentially the plot. And the, the main character doesn't, like, they fix him up and then they make him do all these odd jobs, and he doesn't, he doesn't know why he's doing them till later on. He just keeps doing them. But he's right. not really sure why. Yes, and this main character's name is Case. Yes. Oh, and they poisoned him. Yes. Right. So they, they fixed his uh, nervous system, and then they put in some neurotoxin sacs that will dissolve and eventually break him again. So if he doesn't work for them, they will just make, put him back to where he was. <laughs> Maybe right. even a little bit worse. Neurotoxin right. sex. Ew. I know. That's not, no. That's, that yeah. sounds gross. <laughs> Total boner killer, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm the only one with a boner. That's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story in short. And uh, we're about to do a review of it where we're going to start off talking just uh, beginning to middle of the book sections. And then we, when we are about to touch on some spoilers, we will let you know so you can jog and shuttle through to the uh later on the episode where we talk about other stuff well i think the ai part was kind of a spoiler because you don't find that out till like halfway in the book uh it, or read any summary including the back of the book i think it's true oh don't read the back of the book <laughs> or listen to the first part that you just lit no forget it. <laughs> anyway we're gonna go to a track right now and when we get back we're gonna review neuromancer what we got is jurchen by salumi it's off a new awesome chiptune album from 8-bit peoples
right, so let's review this sucker. I was in the middle of reading it when we did the last episode, and I've since finished it. Who else here has finished the book? <laughs> I finished it. I have 60 pages left, I'm, and I can finish it in an hour if you give me an hour. Yeah. But it's too late. I'm about where Brandon is. Yeah. I'm slightly slightly behind where Brandon is. I'm but slightly I'm less lazy than Colin yes. in regards to this book. But only about 20 pages less lazy. It's like a percent. Or less worked. And I actually finished it, so that's cool. It you is cool. It. it is cool, John, because your your um opinion is especially valued as you are a SciTech correspondent, and this uh, the content of this book, as far as uh, future technologies and everything, pertains strongly to a lot of the stuff that we cover on Ner- Nerdy Show, particularly when you're on it. Now, I have to ask a question real quick. Blade Runner came out before this book. Actually, thank you, Brandon. Yes. I have a little something to read you. Oh. Because I'm pretty sure Blade Runner came out two years before this, but I'm sure they were both being written, obviously. Actually, well, Blade Runner's based off of uh, Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep. Sheep. But yeah. the movie was probably being written the same time this book was, I assume. And you assume correctly. On Wikipedia, I found a section called Background, which is a pretty concise rendering of some really interesting facts about how this book was written. Interestingly enough, the character of Molly, the Razor Girl, the assassin that I mentioned earlier. Street Samurai. She was from a previous work. Oh. Johnny Mnemonic. Oh. We read, Wait, an, we read an adaptation of Johnny Mnemonic, something we th- I, I don't know where that, that book went to, that paperback we read, because I don't know if it was actually, it was a short story by William Gibson. It's not a novel. Hmm. That thing that we read in the previous episode of Book Club looked like a novel. Right. So it may have been an adaptation of the film that was based on a short story. Wait, Johnny Mnemonic's older than this? Johnny, yeah, Johnny Mnemonic is older than Neuromancer. Johnny Mnemonic is chronologically a prequel to Neuromancer. Did, he, it, did they invent the word mnemonic? Mem- no, mem- they no. didn't. No, okay. Anyway, this is, this is some of the background on Neuromancer. Before Neuromancer... Gibson had written several short stories for prominent science fiction periodicals, mostly noir counterculture narratives concerning low-life protagonists and near-future encounters with cyberspace. The themes he developed in this early short fiction, the sprawl setting of Burning Chrome and the character of Molly Millions from Johnny Mnemonic, laid the foundations for the novel. John Carpenter's Escape from New York influenced the novel. Gibson was intrigued by the exchange in one of the opening scenes where Warden says to to Snake, You flew the Gulf Fire over Leningrad, didn't you? It turns out to just be a throwaway line, but for a moment it worked like the best science fiction where a casual reference can imply a lot. The novel's street and computer slang dialogue derives from the vocabulary of subcultures, particularly 1969 Toronto dope dealer slang or biker talk. Gibson heard the term flatlining in a bar around 20 years before writing Neuromancer and it stuck with him. Author Robert Stone, a master of a certain kind of paranoid fiction, was a primary influence on the novel. The term Screaming Fist was taken from the song of the same name by legendary Toronto punk band The Vile Tones. Neuromancer was commissioned by Terry Carr for the third series of Ace Science Fiction specials, which was intended to be to exclusively feature debut novels. Given a year to complete the work, Gibson undertook the actual writing out of, quote, blind animal panic at the obligation to write an entire novel, a feat which, which he felt he was four or five years away from. After viewing the first 20 minutes of landmark cyberpunk film Blade Runner, which was released when Gibson had written a third of the novel, he, quote, figured Neuromancer was sunk, done for. Everyone would assume I'd copied my visual texture from this astonishingly fine-looking film. He rewrote the first two-thirds of the book 12 times, fearing losing the reader's attention, and was convinced that he would, quote, be permanently shamed following its publication. Yet what, <gasps> yet what resulted was seen as a major imaginative leap forward for a first-time novelist. He added the final sentence uh, of the novel, he never saw Molly again, 
at the last minute in a deliberate attempt to prevent himself from ever writing a sequel, but ended up doing precisely that with Count Zero in 1986, a character-focused work set in the sprawl alluded to in its predecessor. And in fact, it's, wow. part, it's part of what's called the Neuromancer Trilogy, and there's, a, there's an additional book as well. Interesting. Wait, I have another question now because of what you just read. Yes. The, the toxins, the sacks that yes. they put in him. Didn't they also do that in either Escape from New York or Escape from L.A., one of those? They did the same thing. They implanted that in him. And they're uh, like, you have to get out or we're give, you're going to die. We I'm, have to give you the antidote. I th- I, it's been a while since I've seen Escape from New York, and I've never seen Escape from L.A. I'm going to guess it was L.A. But that came out after. No, us. no, it was New York. It was New York? See? So there's the toxin sacks, too. I mean, they okay. also do that in Metal Gear, but, you know, whatever. Same well, thing. Metal Gear. And Metal Gear is Metal very Gear. based on Escape from yeah. New York. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, so, so there's that. It is... It does have ties to everything you would suspect it has ties to, but it also did exist in tandem, and he was just as paranoid about it being... Uh, I definitely get the, the noir thing from this. Yes. 100%. And while I was reading it, the, the thing I thought of most is that there's any fans out there of Ghost in the Shell, it is basically this. Ghost in the Shell got everything it is from this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody Almost pick entirely. up a huge Deus Ex Human Revolution at the beginning there? Yeah. No. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and there's, other, there's other things as well. It made me think of... Um, there's an anime from the mid '90s called Armitage the Third. Yeah, but see, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember what the hell that was about. Well, Armitage was <laughs> Ar- Ar- Armitage is not a particularly great anime, but it's a fun anime, and it's basically because there's a character named Armitage, right? It, exactly, and I, I, it's a Ghost in the Shell knockoff set on Mars, so it's kind of like Blade Runner, Ghost in the Shell, and Total Recall all mashed together, and, and she, not as and good. she's named Armitage, so clearly there's. Some right. kind of a neuromancer tied to it as well. Yeah. A lot of things come from this it, book. Yeah, I mean, reading neuromancer, you're like, well, this is this is where everything Warren Ellis has ever written comes from. It's it is the Bible for for all this. And what's crazy to me about this book, you know, you were saying, Brandon, there was a, a stumbling block as far as the language goes. Well, for me, there was, but, but yeah, I'm no, special. Think about how much worse it was in 1984 when when they didn't know what the internet what was. Yeah, because we're because we're familiar with terms like cyberspace and well, like things like hacking and all that kind of stuff is very much like a normal thing for us whereas in 1984 that was relatively a new and, and think, new thing. think about pop culture back then people the average average pre- people in america didn't know what the yakuza was right and they they talk about yakuza in this book without ever saying what it is you know right. what else came from this the movie hackers a hundred percent when they go on the computers and the files and everything, that's, yeah. Yeah. William Gibson, you know, his writing is very hard for me, but beside, aside from that, he's kind of a genius because he describes things that we're only doing now. Like, he pretty much describes laptops and the internet, and then at some point in the book, he, did, he talks about hydrogen cell fuel cards. Fuel yeah, cars, cars, sorry. And I'm like, they weren't even thinking about that in, like, 84 at all cars and he mentioned or that were they i i, I think he, he perhaps he but was like, definitely reading you know some scientific journals and everything he he, I mean, because many of the building blocks of these things existed in theory but you have to be really well read to know about them yeah and really smart to jump to the logical confu- conclusion of what it would be like especially things such as like you know when he's talking about hacking and he's talking about all these different companies and such having having an internet presence and etc and how I mean, we haven't even gotten to this point, but it's very, it's a very lot. It's, it's truly a logical conclusion and that Bill we are Gates going didn't to even make the internet yet <laughs> that we are going to, uh, Al Gore invented the internet. I mean, Al Gore, I'm sorry. Thank you. Bill Gates helped. Um, the it's Gates, his Bill name Gates. Is Gates. <laughs> no, 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 not Bill Gates, Bill Gates. <laughs> Little known fact, Bill Gates, the series of tubes. And Al Gore. If, it's, if the internet is a series of tubes, you need gates in order to let you in and out. I understand. So now. Bill Gates, he made and, that happen. And, uh, back of the neck filled up with Microsoft's. so basically like we haven't gotten there yet but i i can totally see it where especially when we're getting into a realm with like google glass and all that kind of stuff where 
we're going to be even more um, connecting into this, into the internet. And the fact that the, the way that they connect to the internet is that they actually jack into the internet, a la the matrix. Like that's where the matrix came from. Yeah, you jack it, into yeah. it and then you jack off <laughs> when you get out of it. Yes, it's true. Um, and Molly was even wearing Google Google goggles. Yeah, she was. She was wearing them. <laughs> she Google literally goggles. had augmented Which reality goggles. I actually goggles. thought it was kind of funny because, like, it, they seem so primitive. It's like, what do they do? They they have a clock, which then gets hacked and <laughs> turns into of... like instant messaging. And yes. other than that, she has night vision, and that's it. So she doesn't have any proper augmented reality beyond a HUD. I'm sure there was. You I see what I'm getting at? <laughs> Just keeping things simple. John. She could see in the dark. Apparently, she could see in the dark, John. I appreciate that that is a cool thing, but she could have had full on AR and she didn't. Hex, how did you feel about this book? I loved the book. I couldn't put it down. I I felt that there was so much stuff that that was just so incredibly well described. Uh, The descriptions really engrossed me in in the world. And the ideas were just so, like y'all are saying, it's it's pretty revolutionary for for the time. And so I'm just sitting there just kind of nodding. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. did, did you have the same problem i did where 50 percent of the descriptions were like i don't know what he just said nope damn it see i did so yeah, you I, and I, I, I read it on my phone and or ipad and as a result i was able to you know like define any word that i had no clue what it was despite, obviously you know, all the college hex is obviously <laughs> the smartest person here because nope. he didn't he didn't need help reading this book and he finished it so yeah no, yeah, I mean, like, there, there, there was definitely, and, and also, too, the thing about this book, like, I, I have not finished it yet, so I can't give it a, a full review. However, what I have read, and, and, and where I am now, the book is starting to pick up, and what I have heard is that the later part of the book is actually, like, the most fun and engaging part of the book. It, it starts for, off a bit slow, but once you get a certain point, you're like, okay, you keep reading, really, it's getting yeah. faster and faster, yeah. and then you want to keep reading. But, like, in the beginning, it was just like... the narrative is so staccato it's just like the the sentences for me they're not as the narrative doesn't it's not as flowy for me as as i would particularly like it in the beginning specifically it's very like we're jumping a lot to different places Mm -hmm. and different times and it doesn't there wasn't a lot of flow and that's fine that's there's not there's nothing wrong with the writing the writing is amazing it's just my personal taste. I like something a little bit more. I don't know. And I guess I like to yeah. get my dick held a little bit longer. And um, last, so yeah, last episode, Cap. Weird way. <laughs> Cap said last episode, and I agree that, you know, if we read this book when it came out, yeah. it would be like, holy crap, mind blowing. But because it's 2013, we're reading it like, you know, we know a lot of the themes, you know, all sure. the shit. So it's like, it's not as interesting as if I say we're reading it in the 80s. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, it, I'll go ahead, Cap. Well, it's it's a sort of thing um, with any with any novel that really thrusts you into a world. It's impossible for you to hit the ground running. You right. will always be stum- You'll be stumbling and stumbling and stumbling until you pick up pace and your mind gets in sync with the uh, you know the, the, the terminology and setting and all that. Mm-hmm. If you start rereading it, you might find that the pace is very different. Mm. Though it, though it really, I mean, it's not an illusion. It does in fact move faster th- yeah. as you go on. Yeah, I was going to consider well, like in time. Actually, I mean, it's actually running in almost real time by the end. It, yeah, it is like moment for moment. And I, I was even considering if I started over, I would know so much more now about the world right. and the descriptions and everything that's going on. Well, well, I mean, also, too, because he was considering he was describing stuff that was so far in the future that it's difficult to describe. I mean, like he was talking about ice and all that kind of stuff. And at first I was like, OK, that's got to be like protected like ice, programming. Black ice? First. What is that? And yeah. I was like, what is that? And so it took me a little bit of time to get to get there because he doesn't necessarily explain it. 
It's just kind of yeah, given. He never really does. does yeah. he? No, well, and it's, it stands for Intrusion Countermeasures Electronics. Yeah. Which is terminology that was then used in the real world. Ah, see, I didn't. Oh, gotcha. Wait, did he invent that? Yes, too? he did. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. But did, did did they say that in the book? They do. They describe what Wait, ice is actually. Thank you in the back about somebody who made ice. In the very last page, it says, My thanks to Bruce Sterling, to Lewis Shiner, to John Shirley Heldon, and to Tom Maddox, Maddox, the inventor of ice, and to the others who know why. Now, he may not have invented ice. Maybe he got it from them. Mm. Or is this like. A revi- this is not a revised edition. This is from the 80s, so I don't know. Maybe he's just thanking someone for inventing fucking cold beverages with ice. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Ice is, ice is a pretty damn new invention in itself within the last, what, 40 or 50 years? Maddox is the originator of ice. I mean, ice cubes, obviously. Uh, ice has existed. Through the real-life firewalls and similar programs fall under this classification... The term has little real-world significance and remains primarily a science fiction concept. Mm. This can be attributed to the fact that using the term electronics to describe software products such as firewalls is somewhat of a misnomer. Mm. Nevertheless, the term ICE has recently been adapted by real-world software manufacturers. Black ICE, security software made by IBM. Oh, yeah, I recall Black ICE. Black ICE Defender, security software made by Network ICE. The ICE Cipher, Network ICE, a security software company. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So interesting. So it became a part of the language and culture because of the science fiction concept. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's his game. That's yeah, Gibson's no, game. I, again, I, I mean, this book is, it is revolutionary in that regard. However, I have, I had, there's one thing that I was, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, what? And that <laughs> is it, like many science fiction books before it, Philip K. Dick falls into this too. There's a hot chick. And of course he has sex. The main character has sex with the hot chick. Well, here's the thing. And it just bothered me because there was no, there was no romance or lead up to it. it she just ends up fucking, okay, she see, just ends up fucking case for no reason. I disagree with you because there was a reason and I'm pretty sure you're supposed to know what it is. Colin It's basically, <laughs> he's this man who's been crushed and depressed and wants to die and he's been on drugs and they just fixed him, but he's still like a disheveled guy. He's still his, he's broken mentally. And this woman who works for the guy who just hired him right. is just getting into bed with him. And I don't think he knows why, but it's to ease him. It's to ease his mind and it's to part comfort of the job. him. I yeah. understand that. But like, why does that have to be a part of the job? If it was sex. a man, if it was a man who was having that issue, who, if it was a man who was trying to help him, if Molly was in fact a man instead of, instead of Molly, the street samurai, but it wouldn't would have been that a man. person been found a girl no. for him to have sex with? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's. They or would that if 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 we reverse the roles okay. and and deck uh, <laughs> and case was a girl and Molly was a man would that interaction ha- happen again because uh, well, I don't personally uh, think that it would if if, if the roles were, were switched and uh, the person on case's side still needed to feel loved and appreciated somehow at least like you know it's some some physical sense some kind of of <clears throat> need then yes, it would. He it, would have sat down. And, he ultimately, yes, William Gibson just wanted to write a sex scene. Yes. And, and, and then and, that's what, and, and, that's what and it bothered me when I read it. However, however. Old man's war. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that it, it is not in other books. I'm saying that it bothers me in science fiction. Because You're just bothered happens. by sex. I do no, it feel happens like it's just often out of nowhere. It's fiction. like, it, if I wanted a sex story, I'd just go out in the net, you know, and like find one. It's <laughs> called porn. <laughs> it, 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 it does, it does happen too often. And I completely agree. However, this one I do feel was at least substantially validated, especially mm. because, especially because it's in the noir genre. And it's only like once at the beginning. 
and you get I it out of the way. Go have out. a steady relationship the entire rest of the time. I'm uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and actually agree with Colin on this. I feel that the uh, oh, it was sorry. just completely random. It wasn't really like I to me it felt like once again it was no like echoing Colin. It was no romance. I I do understand it's the noir genre, but I still feel that it was just. It was kind of nowhere and kind of like immediately made the reader kind of objectify Molly, even though the rest of the book kind of built up against, like built up this uh, objectification and built against it. Right when you meet her, she is a sex object. She is a sex toy. Yes. Like it's, she can't just be this awesome street samurai badass. She also has to be this hot. She fucks him. Yeah, I know. But I mean like, but the thing is still, it's, it's, it's a woman She's it's a woman who's attractive. So we're going to have sex. Here with it is, though. Wait, wait, wait. But you there's, know what I mean? There's one thing you forgot. And we're going to see it. There's one thing you forgot. Obviously, we didn't see it. Call. Shut up. That's stupid. <laughs> but no, no, this is actually part of her backstory. And I know this because I read it last night. Um, <laughs> she sleeps with him, obviously, and she looks very pretty. But that was part of her old job. She yeah, was basically a sex toy. Right. And that's what she did most of her life. She was a slave. She got and augmentation. She looked pretty to sleep with guys who do crazy means shit. It next to nothing to her. Her razor so, claws were for sex acts. Okay. I mean, she's. Well, no, she well, got those no, she because. Got those for- yeah, she got those augmentations by. She, she paid for those augmentations by but using she her use body them a as act? a. No, well, eventually, but she paid for those augmentations by having sex. And what they did was they turned off her brain. The way that they do mm-hmm. that is they, they turn them into puppets. They turn the women into puppets, and she was like, eh, they can just use the goods, fine, whatever. I just yeah, wake she was up like a sore the next day, you know, whatever. To me, that doesn't necessarily objectify her as opposed but to... But does that not tie into the beginning when she Because she's, she's just not present for it. You know what I mean? Like, she's not active. I mean, I guess she's she's doing it herself. However, like she's giving her own body for it. And this in the spoiler territory here. Yeah. Pace reminds her of someone. Right. I, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, like... I, I don't remember when they get into it. Have you read this part where she where she tells Case? Yes. That she, that, you know, I mean, like. Yeah, and it's maybe, much later. And but, yeah. it, it's, it's much later. It might just be Gibson validating the earlier sex scene. I don't know, but. See, because I, mean, I didn't I'm remember saying, the sex scene until he talked about her doing that for her normal I mean, job. I, totally, I, I absolutely totally get, like, that, that, yeah. that discussion. It's yeah. an important discussion because, I like, in Old Man's War, for example, it was. It was comedic how much here's the sex chapter. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Old uh, man's whore. Yeah. More like it. Mm. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know. It just, for this one, it just kind of felt like it just came, for me, it just came out of nowhere. It did come out of nowhere. It, it, no, it, it does come out of nowhere. It actually, it, especially based on how unprepared the reader is for just about everything that's happening at that point in the that's book. That's true. It is absolutely out of was i the only one with a boner when he like i was like oh this dude's gonna get to have sex with a hot robot girl with razor blade hands no one else was like oh my god well at that point i was describing like and she had stiff nipples and like (laughs) well that point i was like oh why are we why am i reading this Stiff robotic nipples undulating nipples her over and then like licked up her tit One, like wasn't that basically the line like he like he doesn't like kiss her on the mouth it is sucks on her tit right away it is a very pornographic sex scene with a robot girl might i add you keep emphasizing robot girl but she has like wolverine tipped like fingers and like cyborg I think eyes brandon likes a hint it. brandon likes a hint of danger she's got like microchips and shit i'm sure she's got her she's got her vag replaced with like a robot vag or a dolphin vag if you will i hear dolphins have great vaginas what this really does sound like an archer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, open <laughs> shit on the inside. I'm just covered in every type of bodily fluid, and it's great. <laughs> oh, you do a good archer. <laughs> we talk about how it's in the noir genre, and like, we could have had like 
you know, like how in film you have, you obviously have the people go upstairs to have sex and then they have the rocking chair. You know what I mean? That's like, okay, that they had sex. You know what I mean? But like in this one, it's like. I'm a fan of the train in the tunnel or the rocket. (laughs) Like we're talking about like his fingers spread across the labia as she began to lower herself. The images came pulsing back. The faces, fragments of neon, of neon arriving and receding. She slid down around him and his back arched convulsively she rode him that way impaling herself <laughs> slipping down on him again and again until they both had and, come and here's the thing see i had a boner i work. have a boner right now uh, it is i think that is a very compellingly written piece of erotic science fiction i agree of which i am a fan yes however i you know it's a question of audience and it's a question of pacing and and i would understand him feeling very pleased with that and not wanting to lose it even though it made no sense to include it. Did anyone else picture Molly as Michelle Pfeiffer from Catwoman? I mean, come on. That's, that's Catwoman. That's cool. That's kind of what I, I, I didn't, but that's right. cool. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Flashbacks to the Blade Runner video game, I think myself, but... So the rest of the book, let's let's <clears throat> let's get into spoiler territory here. Um, have you guys met Neuromancer yet? Those of you who are... Have, like Met Neuromancer? Yes. There's a thing called Neuromancer? Neuromancer? Hey, yeah, I, I know, right? Oh, I was come on. Spoiler alert. Okay, explain <laughs> it. Okay, I'm at the point where they're pulling this The Last Job Stray Light, I think it's called. Tell yeah, me what like happens. What's they're, they're like? They're trying to get out of it now. Tell me what is the ending? What happened to to Wintermute the AI? Tell me what happens at the end of this book. Okay, you're know trying how, to get out of where now. You know how they they mention the the Rio AI and they never talk yeah, about re- what it is. It's, yeah, it's the uh, it's the other uh, Tesser Ashpool AI. Yeah, that is Neuromancer. Neuromancer is another AI, an AI that's been working both in tandem and against Wintermute. Because mm. um, he has like different parts of his brain almost scattered. He it, talks kind of exactly. like that, like they're, different they're, parts of it. They're him. part of a whole that cannot be joined. Now, Wintermute is the AI that is hiring all of them and exactly. making all these jobs yes. happen. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens to them at the end? Uh, this massive, really interesting dynamic battle occurs between, well, I say battle, battle in loose terms, conflict. This massive conflict occurs where Molly gets trapped by uh, Lady Three Jane and Rivera and chase and the zionist pilot has to have to go into the mansion to find her and like get what about the ninja oh and and hideo the ninja's there which Uh, is the real problem i didn't get to the ninja guy yet i was so looking forward to that uh and it's uh he has a crazy oh my god yeah and and the 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 whole that entire sequence is amazing like that i want to play that video game well what happens Mm -hmm. to what happens to the ais at the end they uh they they merge they're they're ais that both have separate ghost in the shell the movie they both have they both have separate goals in many ways two two halves of a whole and uh chase you know when he flatlines and wintermute starts talking to him case case yeah case that happens but but neuromancer starts talking to him and he gets pulled in this whole different scenario that's completely different from everything else that's happened when he's flatlined i'm sure at that point he's just sighing and going damn it well it's it's actually a very disturbing experience because neuromancer deals in personalities Whereas, whereas Wintermute is very much a computer with extreme, extreme knowledge base, Neuromancer is capable of understanding uh, or, or at least replicating human personalities. Interesting. So um, they, they merge. They merge. Because they do that. And in, they, fa- and in fact, they were always meant to merge. The uh, Tesser Ashpool woman who created them, it was as though she made all this happen on purpose. She knew it was going to happen. And this started years and years and years ago. Right. And, uh, and the, ver- the weird ambiguous ending thing is that, that eventually it contacts Chase, uh, Case again. The AI says he found a, a, he's looking for other AIs and found a signal coming from Alpha Centauri. So space alien computers yeah. or possibly something that was sent out. Okay, so they merge and the world isn't destroyed or the world doesn't end like I thought it would. No, but there's two other books. 
Okay. Because I thought, you know, this super AI is now going to take control of everything. Does it feel like a complete story by the time you get to, to the end of it? Yeah. And it, it's, it's, I uh, still feel like the ending really is just kind of this crap tacked on the end, though. Like, it doesn't have quite as much polish. The Alpha Centauri thing kind of comes out of, like, left field. Like, oh, yeah, and then unicorns happen. <laughs> unicorns live in alpha centauri and and like what cappy actually said earlier you know that whole like and he never said or he never saw molly again it's just sort of like okay <laughs> are you so you're just like why not well, like, why? It's, well we, we, we know why not the transparent sort of nature of the writer's mind a little bit too much of like oh well i wrote this really good part at the beginning and now i have to kind of like fix this bit at the end and i was working on the story the entire time and i just have to fucking turn it in you know, like you kind of see that in, in the structure. I would like an old fashioned like noir ending where it's like, and then she walked out of my life forever. That's kind of what they did. <laughs> and I had to leave this town and never and come then back. I was trapped in the sewers and I drowned to death. <laughs> what, that's how I'm telling what you book this. is that? <laughs> that's the ending to L.A. Noir. Spoiler alert. Hex, Hex, how do you feel about all of this while you're here? Did you like the know. ending? I mean, it was an ending like it was it was uh, it was kind of anticlimactic with the whole like it had a very rushed feel to it like you guys were yeah. saying and he never saw her again i'm like well, i wasn't really wondering that <laughs> <laughs> but thanks yeah. for telling me yeah like yeah. they could have just left it and just yeah, let no, it trail it, off kind of and it would have been like okay but I, instead it's like she never the, he never saw her again the, the, the last it, 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 it really me with the feeling of oh, <clears throat> oh okay i wasn't thinking about that the, the, i wanted them to get married and have kids <laughs> the, shit the, the, you know? the last chapter is <clears throat> necessary in some ways and that after everything that's happened you need something but it is not the right thing he could have written he could have taken like <laughs> 10 extra pages and written it a little bit better i think even though i didn't read it i'm gonna say he could have written it better i'm no <laughs> I, there is some, the something different could have certainly been done mm-hmm. there how does he get does he get the venom sacks removed at some point I'm, yes or or is it one of those things where like they never existed yeah not only does he get the venom sacks removed but removed but he actually tries to re- he replaces the body parts that were messed with so he can do drugs again yeah oh yeah by the way if you didn't <laughs> oh, go, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great the underlying theme of this book is that everyone does drugs and everybody you do wants drugs to, to get drugs. on the internet drugs are great and they're good for you oh yeah um, except the beast state when you're coming down out the back of them but then you just do, do more drugs do more, man. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, here's the thing that concerns me at the book because winter mute the whole time is a, is a psychopath anyone that gets in his way or anyone he's he done with kills him. he kills them anyone who's like he's like okay they've done their job i don't want anyone else finding out they're dead why would they not kill them at the end and just be done with everyone who knows about all this shit that happened he killed armitage i mean why wouldn't he just get rid of all of them and say okay nobody knows now and i'm free well, why would he not kill them? Admittedly, Armitage kind of just started breaking, so it was kind of like, well, what the hell do you do with a sociopath? Crazy. But he, he killed a lot of other people. It's true, and had the merger not happened, that may have been how it went down, because Wintermute is very pragmatic. So you're saying right. because they merged, the other personality was like, they don't have to die. Neuromancer enables Wintermute to actually be human. Okay. Is my, is my take on it. They don't actually have enough time so it's kind of like it's kind of like a left brain right brain it's like kind of like that they they, they describe it like that in the book so so and they 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 emphasize that with the whole thing where wintermute can never know neuromancer's name Mm. yeah they actually they it knows it exists but there's a blind spot in its programming interesting which is actually a real thing that happens to people if you separate like the left lobe from the right which happens in some (laughs) cases and you literally cannot tell what what you're seeing as opposed to like what someone's saying and you, you can't tell what one part of you is doing as opposed to the other interesting right. I literally was, i thought i thought the way winter mute was not yeah that was uh, displayed with having to use other personalities from from cases like history mm-hmm. i thought that was really clever because it's like 
this 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 artificial intelligence doesn't know how to interface with a normal person without relying on previous data. Hmm. And yeah, and what I what I thought was kind of neat is that it actually intentionally absorbs personalities because it it uh, because it would like to. Like it it actually when when case is pulled in there, you realize in the last chapter that it actually kept a copy of case in there. And in fact, like the the flatline, you you get a hint that the flatline's consciousness, though he was supposed to be deleted, was actually also incorporated into the. AI entity that Neuromancer and Wintermute became. Oh, so he wasn't deleted like he wanted to be? Poor he, construct. It, it, no, actually, it seems like he may have worked out another deal. Do you think that was part of their plan originally? Like, he's going to be part of us once we do this? Like, he's the third element it, there? Actually, it, it seems more sentimental. It didn't actually... It wouldn't have mattered to them to do it otherwise, but maybe it was a... I thought the construct was a little too good. It's already seemed like a really super smart AI. Like, once they freed it, and, and they, it was like, let's give it to Case. He'll use it for everything. And it's like this super smart construct that's just like basically a computer god and i was like i mean that's a it was like well there's an ai well yeah it will he was illegal yeah like um but they explained that the, he, the, he the, didn't even know if he was an ai or if he could exist and he's just he's like do i am i laughing does it mean that i i'm like that I, am i laughing or am i just programmed to laugh i don't know you know he didn't mm-hmm. he was a bit of a weirdo yeah well i mean like, like the the turings came down on the company that that had that ai those are the afterwards. ai police yeah. by the way yeah, which I thought was interesting because of the Turing test and all that stuff. I don't yeah, know. hey, hey, uh, hey, Hex. Yeah, you you wrote an AI book. How do you like all this AI stuff in this book? I thought it was amazingly well done. I loved the flatline. I loved reading him and just this whole. He has to do what is told of him that he is still learning and that it's gaining knowledge that I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't exist because I would hate to exist right now if I were me. <laughs> Did it make you want to rewrite? the first two thirds of your book 12 times like William Gibson did after seeing, <laughs> after seeing Blade Runner. <laughs> no, I'm way too fucking lazy for that. I have no creative integrity. <laughs> I will just leave it as is. And if people think it sucks then they're probably right. Now we're going to talk about what you guys thought about the book. We had a, a pretty extensive discussion actually going on on the Nerdy Show forums during the time between our Ready Player One episode and now. Yeah, we had uh, Joe Barda, Mauron, Max, Acree, uh, Zombie Pops, Muckraker, and Trench. All those folks were involved in the discussion on the forums. So thank you guys for um, participating and reading along with us. It's nice to have friends. Yes, it is. And and some people had actually uh, read the book before. Joe, yes. Bar- Joe Barter said, I love writers like this that really allow me to visualize the environment, not only in a visual sense, but also being able to imagine the way it smells and feels. It's kind of difficult to get into on my first read, though. I lost interest a chapter or two in, but once I took the time to restart it and read it again, I really drove headlong into it and enjoyed it way more. I think I'll definitely enjoy it more a second time because the words are too complicated for my tiny brain. It was very hard to get through every sentence. That's a general consensus for most of the folk. But um, they did that on purpose, because didn't he, like, make up half of the stuff? Yeah, no, um, Trench felt that way, Muckraker felt that way. Those folks felt that it was essentially either if they haven't read it already a second time, um, they're looking forward to reading it a second time, but the folks who have read it a second time, they say that it's a fun read the second time because you are further understanding. You're not, like, completely dropped, as as Muckraker said, dropped in the middle of everything with the bare minimum of explanation or exposition. So he sees in that sense how it could be quite difficult for a lot of general public readers to get into it. But if you're into the genre, he says the hook will be enough to keep you reading. But 
If not, the crime drama might be enough to keep you following until you can start to understand what's going on. As as he neared the end, he's actually looking forward to reading it again and seeing what he could pick up in the beginning that he didn't seem to make sense at the time. So I, I, I can totally agree with that. You know who else is excited to read it again is Trench 88. And for a crazy reason, he powered through the novel in four and a half hours. That Holy Wait, shit. that's not... Actually, that is almost possible because I read four hours, like three fourths of the book. Maybe he has cybernetic implants due to his time in the military. I don't know. That's just he that's not true, man. When you're in the military, when you're in a trench, hence his name, <laughs> when there's bullets flying over your head, you've got to drop a book at a moment's notice. That's all you've got to do is a book, right? You don't know if you're going to live. You don't know how much time you have. You've just got to read this book and finish it because you've got to drop it at any moment. Enemies yep. coming at you with guns. You're like, shit, I need to finish this book. They've gotten really good at speed reading in the military. I'm just saying. <laughs> Started out as a government program. Max actually linked to an article where there were some alleged first concepts for a Neuromancer movie, the one starring Liam Neeson and Mark Wahlberg, um, rumored from last year. Well, Wahlberg, is, is Wahlberg the, the front man for that Elysium movie? Who's that? Is that Wahlberg? No, that's Matt no, Damon. That's Matt Damon. Okay. Matt Damon. At least it's not James Franco. <laughs> they, am I right? They, they kind of look the same, or am I wrong about that? You're that wrong kinda, about yeah. that. Sure. They've got like a square chin, square well, jaw. They're interchangeable in my mind. Liam Neeson? <laughs> what? What? He's been I, in good things? He's yeah, been in bad things? You know, prequels killed it for me. I don't know, man. You can't, you can't, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're gonna, necessarily, you're, I, I can't combine Mark Wahlberg and, and every, and, every actor who was in the Star Wars prequels gets a free pass. You it's cannot, true. You Samuel, cannot Samuel, judge their Samuel, acting. Well, no, everyone except Natalie Portman because she acted the same way she usually does. Which is piss poor and no emotion. No, that's true. Except that's for the right, professional, her best and first movie ever, I think. <laughs> and her hottest role. Don't talk Wait. shit about Natalie Portman. That, she, she was that's good at Spill's first love. She was well, good. <laughs> she, he, he loves a shitty actress. She oh. was good in one movie, and that's one more than me. Oh. <laughs> so whatever. You're right. I can't complain about it. Max also posted some really cool art he did of Molly the Razor Girl. We'll link to the, uh, the Neuromancer thread. Just scroll down a bit and you'll see it. Yeah, there's a ton of images of her, you know, if you search for them, obviously, online. They're all completely different. It's weird. I'm sure she really struck a chord with everybody back in the 80s and, and incited a lot of uh, what would be considered fan art now and was just <laughs> people drawing yeah, something you, then. You search for Razor Girl porn now and something that you don't want to pop up, or maybe you do, does pop up involving lots of blood and girls and razors. If you're listening to this now and you're somewhere in the future and you want to add to this neuromancer discussion, go for it. There's a lot of awesome people from the Nerdy Show community who've read the book and would, I'm sure, be more than open to extending this dialogue about neuromancer further. And heck, there's and there's two more books girl. in the series. Post some razor girl pictures. Post a razor girl tribute. I don't care. I, I do care. Please. It's a free country. No, I can't stop you. I, I can I can delete that comment is what I can do. <laughs> Tribute's so. a tribute, man. You know, those need to stay on the amateur porn websites that both of you frequent. B? <laughs> or B, whatever works. <laughs> but don't take our word for it. And once again, if you have not joined our forums, this is definitely a community. The Nerdy Show community is something you want to be a part of because we, it, it is the extended family that we love and treasure. We know that we have more listeners than we have active participating listeners, and I'm sure yeah, that, that's that, true for everyone. That, it's true. It is true. I mean, it's, it's just a fact, and that's fine. I mean, lurking's allowed. It's the internet, right? But, you know, you might have more fun if you joined in, and we'd certainly like to know you exist, and we'd love to hear from you and what you think about the show. So, you know, if you want, do the forums. Check out the forums. That would be cool. Send us a little note. Yeah, send, send, us, send, send us a note. note. Send, send us a note. Post send us some post support a, love if you, post a if tribute. you can. Do we recommend people read this book? Obviously, I think. I, I, yes, of course, yes. Yeah. This, this is this is the cyberpunk 
Bible. This is a, a monument in any level of science fiction and fiction itself. It, you should definitely read this. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it goes in the short stack of like things to read for a cursory understanding of how science fiction developed. You know, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Neuromancer. Mm-hmm. Stack it on there. And I guess if you haven't read a book like this before, like me, it is difficult to get through. But mm-hmm. now having read it, and if I were to read it again or something similar, I'm pretty, I'm set. Yeah, and in theory, you could pick up the next book and have not, not the same learning curve. Oh, God, right. no, I'm not in a year, maybe. I'm not ready. This <laughs> took up a lot of me. <laughs> Need to go to dictionary.com every, every, like, five seconds. What's that word? What's that word? What do you mean by that? So, <laughs> What's um, a dre? It's a cart, apparently, So, John for the says. folks who finished it, does it get the Nancy seal of approval? The Nerdy Show and Nancy seal of approval? I'm going to punch you so hard. <laughs> John? I'm going to stab you. I guess, but man, it would be a different read back in the 80s when it came out. I'm just saying. So definitely back then, probably still right now, because, but, but you know, it's from like a different context. Yeah. How old you know? was Aunt Nancy back in the 80s? <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so 50? I, I don't remember what the criteria really was of the qualifications, but, you know, it gets a pass. It gets a thumbs up. It gets a razor thought, razor clawed thumb up. It's not oh, as good right, as right up your butthole. <laughs> it's not as good as the book adaptation of the movie Fifth Element, but it's still pretty good. Is that a thing? Have you read it? It's it better be a thing. It's probably awful. If know. not, I'm going to write it. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add the Brandon twist to it. There's gonna be a sixth element, and it's diarrhea. <laughs> and that's what's gonna save the day, actually. Not your fucking love. It's anyway. the poop that comes hey, down her cor- leg and cor- then lands on the stone. Corbin, Corbin gets so to, anxious. I need, to, I need you to poop for me. <laughs> just, just say it. Just, just say it. Poop. <laughs> Cor- Corbin gets so anxious working all those elements, trying to get the stones working and everything. Poop, and he's just, I poop he, just, he just shits all over the pillar in the middle, and the light opens up. Oh, yeah. it works. That's what I'm saying. Well, what if it was Ruby Rod who shits? Coming, coming, coming. It's coming, Corbin. It's coming. Corbin, I got the runs. I got the runs. What do I do, Corbin? Corbin, what I got to do? It's not brown, Corbin. It's super green. <laughs> oh, he is a vegetarian, so that's fine. <laughs> Well, I so mean, overall, no, no. overall, overall positive. Neur- Neuromancer gets the, the, gets the seal of approval, but you don't have to take our word for it. Anyway, we're going to cut to a track now. When we come back, we're going to talk about other books we've been reading and do a reading from Neuromancer. We got a slick new rendition of Casino Night Zone by Mateus Manete and Grisor87 from the Blue Skies Green Hill compilation.
Okay, so before we get into our reading of Neuromancer, let's talk about a couple other things that we wanted to touch on. Uh, for example, Rivera. He is a guy who can actually create crazy hallucinations. So yeah, they don't, they don't really explain that that much, and then you get to a rooftop scene, and you're just they're just tracking down this guy, and then he, right. he explodes into blood and guts, and then a giant creature made out of like metal and flesh and teeth come out, and there's a giant beam of light, like spotlight from the heavens, and you're just like... What the fuck's going on? Is yeah. it, there's city yeah, mutants. It pretty much comes out of nowhere, yeah. right? And, and I <laughs> thought that it was, I thought it was, I thought that like, because, you know, I had no idea what else was happening in the book. I thought that maybe there was this giant monster There's just, creature. you know, there's monsters in this world yeah, somehow. Exactly, exactly. Genetics. Yeah, because they just pop in random shit anyway. Yeah. So, like, I was just like, oh, wow, okay, okay. And yeah. then, yeah, they the accidentally next... picked up a copy of Men in Black, right? <laughs> yeah, and then, like, the next sentence He's he he's lying there on the ground like Riviera is down there on the ground. Just and then he just gets up and he gets up. And I'm like, where'd the monster go? What what happened? That's and how I, the whole that's how the whole book felt to me. Colin. Yeah, I, read, <laughs> Actually, I, read, I read that page. I read that page like four times and I couldn't I could not understand what was happening. I was just like, what what is what is what is this? It, and then 10 chapters later, you find out, oh, he's, right. he projects hallucinations. He that was all hallucination. Right. I get it now. And that's what it feels like in this book is it's just kind of like. Like, this is the world. Later on, you're explained what happened previously, which yeah. is fine. Like, you're in this world. It already exists. Things are happening. You don't know why, because it's an established world, not to you, but to, you know, these things work. And then later on, you'll figure it out. Right. Great, what I also great. thought was interesting was that later on, they, they tell you that, you know, like, Case had actually seen something like the holograms that the guy throws earlier but it was like you know when he was younger right well he's like what 20 24 right well yeah but that was when yeah, it was there was also a girl with a um with earrings with stars and she would touch it and and, and talk to synergy well right right exactly but synergy. so he was saying that he needed like a that they had like a van filled with equipment and that you needed like you know electrodes on your head or something right. to see these effects right so now what you've seen is is that they've managed to miniaturize the technology make it incredibly energy efficient and fit it inside a person with no noticeable scarring or outer equipment. And we still can't can do that today. Throw fucking yeah. holograms everywhere and trip everybody. Well, out. So Riviera is gem. Yes. He's gem. He's truly inside of him. Yeah. He's exactly. totally outlandish. <laughs> and, and Christy Marks, creator of Gem, read Neuromancer, and this is where it all comes from. There you go, man. I was like, holy shit, wouldn't that be awesome Full if you could throw holograms some, Something that's cool is there's this artist, Ross Campbell. He does an indie comic called uh, Wet Moon. He's done a bunch of Turtles illustrations for IDW, and he's the series artist for the recent version of Glory. Uh, he actually started watching all of Jim, like I think last year, and he created a cyberpunk version of Jim. Uh, just he has character drawings of it. I, I can't even tell you how much I want that to be a real thing, and how much is I he want trying to, to make a I show? Want to make it a real thing? No, I mean it's you know, just like his musings. Oh, yeah. yeah, he should I, make I, it. A I show. mean, I feel like Hasbro has got to be developing Jim, or like attempting to develop a new version of Jim or something, because they, they're using all their old properties. I mean, now. it's time. I'm like, I'm like, use Ross Kim, make Jim. A cyberpunk. It was always five minutes in the future for like no reason except and like in, in no noticeable way except for her holograms and right. her fucking computer and a, a laser cannon on occasion. They've remade what? all their other shows by now. Why <laughs> not? Would, would there's be... a laser cannon in that thing? There's, you know, they can't have guns. That's why. Same thing as G.I. Okay. Joe, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, because laser cannons and, and, are well, dangerous. And also, it's, in, it's theoretically in a shared universe with Transformers. <laughs> they, Obviously. They, there's a, there's Obviously. A, they have the same talk show host in Transformers and a bunch of other Hasbro shows. Wait, yeah, the, they, the Sunbow the, universe. Sunbow Sun universe, are, yeah. all, are they all in the same universe? Uh, not not really, yes but, no. but, yeah, but yeah. Wait, did they make My Little Pony? No. Damn. I mean, they, they did, but not Sunbow. I mean, yeah. or at least not in any... There's no television where this, where this television announcer appears, therefore it's not in, the, in this collective universe. 
Okay. In My Little Pony, in the original My Little Pony. I like when Riviera made a sperm in his drink. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> he was just like in the shuttle over, he's like taking a drink, and he's you, like... You do that all the time, And then there was, there was a little sperm in the bottom of my cup, and then Armitage was like, stop that, and he smiled. Neuromancer, of course, it's been around a long time, it's been super influential. It's appeared in adaptation form in a couple other things i can as you can imagine from everything we've described and if you've read the book it's almost impossible to adapt in film but i'm also as i'm sure you can imagine they're still talking about it in fact talks about casting were happening um as soon as last august as far as wikipedia tells me so that's still ongoing it's been uh it was actually adapted in a uh, in a video game in uh 1988 by interplay really yeah is it good I, I don't know, but there's videos of it on YouTube, and we'll link to where you can check it out. Uh, one cool thing about it is that there's a MIDI version of the Devo track, Some Things Never Change, on, uh, uh, as, a, as part of the soundtrack to the game. Hmm. Huh. Um, and in fact, according to an episode of the American version of Beyond 2000, the original plans for the game included a dynamic soundtrack composed by Devo and a real-time 3D-rendered movie of the events the player went through featuring uh, psychologist and futurist Dr. Timothy Leary, but uh, there's very little documentation about any of that. Interesting. It may have actually... Devo was filming um, shorts with Timothy Leary at the time, so that makes sense. Hmm. And uh, they later went on to produce Adventures of the Smart Patrol, a mid-90s CD-ROM game featuring lots of live footage. So it probably eventually gestated into that project. Unfortunately, the game is, uh, even if you own the original discs at this point, unplayable due to hardware problems. Like, uh, you know modern computer hardware can't play the game right much like other beautiful pc games like blade runner that you can't play well anymore. you know it might exist on that website that's been redoing the game's gog because you can get old games that can't run on new systems it's true and i haven't checked gog but the but the problem is that with both blade runner and the devo game uh the licensing issue is pretty it probably is not on yeah. it then in this scene Ace is trapped inside of a construct of a beach with Linda, a girl who he was in love with who died, and a small boy. Hey, he said. It's breaking down. Let you know, too. What is it? Quang? Chinese icebreaker eating a hole in your heart? Maybe the Dixie Flatline's no pushover, huh? He heard her call his name, looked back, and she was following him, not trying to catch up, the broken zip of the French fatigues flapping against the brown of her belly, pubic hair framed in the torn fabric. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I love it. Keep going. What color was her pubic hair? That's very important. (laughs) It was mossy cream. (laughs) Like the sea. (laughs) She looked like one of those girls on the Finn's old magazines in Metro Holographics come to life, only she was tired and sad and human. The ripped costume pathetic as she stumbled over clumps of salt silver seagrass. And then, somehow... They stood in the surf, the three of them, and the boy's gums were wide and bright pink against the thin brown face. He wore ragged, colorless shorts, limbs too thin, against the sliding blue-gray of the tide. I know you, Hayes said, Linda beside him. No, the boy said, his voice high and musical. You do not. High and musical. (laughs) (laughs) You're the other AI. You're Rio. You're the one who wants to stop Wintermute. What's your name? Your Turing code. What is it? The boy did a handstand in the surf, laughing. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And he walked on his hands, then flipping out the out of the water. His eyes were <laughs> his, his eyes were Riviera's, but there was no malice there. To call up a demon, you must learn its name. Men dreamed that once, but now it is real in another way. You know that case? Your business is to learn the names of programs and the long-form names. Names owners seek to conceal true names. A Turing code's not your name. No romancer! The boy said, slitting long gray eyes against the rising sun. The lane to the land of the dead, where you are my friend, Marie Francie, my lady, she prepped this road, <laughs> but her lord choked her off before I could read the book of her days, neuro from the nerves, the silver pass, romancer, necromancer, I call up the dead, but no, my friend. And the boy did a little dance, brown feet printing the sand. A <laughs> little dance, I am the dead, and their land. He left. Ah! A gull cried. <laughs> it's not what a gull sounds like, asshole. <laughs> this is the most <laughs> fucked up version of the sound of music I've ever heard. <laughs> Baron Von Trapp took a shit in his hands <laughs> <laughs> and flung it at the boy. <laughs> Sorry, that isn't that doesn't happen. <laughs> I was reading my other book. Stay. If your woman's a ghost, she doesn't know it. Neither will you. You're cracking. The ice is breaking up. No! He said, suddenly sad, his fragile shoulders sagging. He rubbed his foot against the sand. It's more simple than that, but the choice is yours. The gray eyes regarded Case gravely. A fresh wave of symbols swept across his vision, one line at a time. Behind them, the boy wriggled, as though seen through heat rising from summer asphalt. The music was loud now, and Case could almost make out the lyrics. Case, honey! Linda said, and touched his shoulder. No, he said. He took off his jacket and handed it to her. I don't know, he said. Maybe you're here. Anyway, it gets cold. He turned and walked away, and after the seventh step, he closed his eyes, watching the music define itself as the center of things. He did look back, once, and although he didn't open his eyes, he didn't need to. They were there by the edge of the sea, Linda Lee and the thin child who said his name was Neuromancer. His leather jacket dangled from her hand, catching the fringe of the surf. He walked on, followed the music, Malcolm Zion dub. I got one line, case honey. 
<laughs> By the way, if you didn't understand any of that, it's because that's what happens in this book. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the vocabulary wasn't that heavy no, at all. I, I like to they say, were normal I, words. I love the Zionists. I think that they they're were, awesome. like I, the Zionists and their entire little section of like of space that they carved out for themselves, like a weird little reggae space station. It, awesome. Yeah, and the, the the ship that they were on was the Marcus Darby. Yeah, like it's just like it's awesome. It's Marcus so, Garvey. Yeah, so good. Anyway, let's uh let's move on. How what did you, you guys think about the modernists? Oh, they were fucking cool. They were like that's that's like of all the things in this book, that's like Warren Ellis's bag, man. Like that's like the the cyber anarchists, man. It didn't help that I kept misreading the word modern as modem cuz the RN looked like an M to me. <laughs> he was wearing, he was wearing a modem suit. And I was like, what the fuck's a modem suit? Whatever, it's the future. <laughs> and only when I, like, later on, I was like, oh shit, that's an R. That's Dang modern. Dinger. Says it's a modern suit, not a Panther modem moderns, suit. Panther moderns, man. I always thought, I, I thought since it was the Panther moderns, I, I, I visualized them as having, like, you know, whiskers. They could have whisker implants, and they could be little antennas. That, yeah, man. That uh, operate on shortwave radio signals. That's right. Whiskers. All right, we're moving on from Neuromancer now. You guys have, have not finished it yet. Have you had a chance to read anything else between previous episode and this one? Obviously not. Well, I was reading something uh, prior and then stopped to read this, but yes. What yes. were you reading, Colin? I was reading Battle Royale. Ah, uh, yes. Battle the, famed, the famed Battle Royale. Is that when yes. the kids fight each other Japanese in the Japanese book about kids killing each other. Yeah, and it's uh, Battle Royale by uh, Koshun Takami. And it's not a documentary. I thought it was. No. And it's actually, um, this was released in, it was published in English in 2003. And this is essentially Hunger Games. Like, no joke. Oh, yeah. This totally. is, this is Hunger Games. I've read Hunger Games. I've read the entire trilogy. I really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what? I want to read this Battle Royale thing to see how much, like, it really was. Like, are these people just haters? And they're just like, well, uh, Battle Royale was better and it came out first. No. No, Battle Royale. Is, it Hunger Games is Battle Royale. Like, so it, wait, which she, one is better? She's she. Well, okay. Battle Royale was also a movie first. Yeah, <laughs> the way that <laughs> it was the everything way, first. Hunger Games was was good. The writing is is relatively decent. The world the world is different. Battle Royale was set in just a slight future Earth, whereas um, Hunger Games may be Earth, but is a completely new. Uh, everything okay, society like the world building is part of the book which is interesting the thing about this book is it basically it's like they take a class of students that is going on a, a school trip and they gas them and they wake up in a classroom all together with a person standing in front of them basically saying that they have to all now kill each other and the people who try to resist which is different from the hunger games are killed in gruesome fashion by the uh by the instructor the instructor like shoots one guy in the head. He shoots another chick in the in the leg for like standing up or trying to get away. So they're all like completely seated and they have to be completely still and listen to the instructions. Well, what happens in Hunger Games then? When you said unlike Hunger Hunger well, Games, Hunger Games, it's it's part of their culture. Yeah. Oh, okay. The way that the way oh, that, like they it, they do it. It's, it's kind of like Logan's like, Run. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. So the way that the Hunger Games works is that basically one's like, by choice, yeah. one is not. Yeah. Well, sort well, of. No, no, no. They're both no. They're all not by choice in the Hunger Games. The way that it works is their their names are drawn. They're selected. Out of a, uh, they're selected, it. and they have to go and, and each and fight. I, like each place has each, to each district yeah, has okay. to yeah the tributes from each district have to go fight tributes. I like this. Yeah. Anyway, so but in this, it's just one class. But the the thing that is so similar to Hunger Games is that like they all are wearing similar to Hunger Games that they don't have a in this book they have a neck a neck uh, kind of like a necklace that will explode if they try to escape. 
in the Hunger Games, they have like a subdermal thing that will kill them if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Also, they are given backpacks in the very beginning of the in very beginning of the quote unquote game. And they are sent out into the wilderness with a backpack. They have no idea what it is. And they all have assorted weapons inside these backpacks, whether it's knives, a gun, a bow and arrow, rope, all sorts of water, all sorts of different stuff in each of the backpacks. However, I was talking to my wife, Alicia, about this, and she was like, oh, well, what else is is similar to the Hunger Games? In the Hunger Games, they also have different zones in the in the battle, the battle space in which the tributes will fight and a a method in which the um, game masters uh, move the tributes to get together to fight each other and so that people won't just stay stagnant in the different parts of the arena. They cordon off zones or they use like um, environmental attacks to like force the tributes to get together. In Battle Royale, they lock off zones. And if you're in that zone after two hours, they explode your necklace. So you have to move. <laughs> you have to move and get out of that zone. And also, at the beginning, uh, at, at like every six hours, an, an announcement goes out saying who's been killed. And that's directly in the Hunger Games. So like, would you say Hunger Games stole 90% of everything from yes. this? Yes. All right. There you go. You heard it here. Probably not first. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm only halfway yeah. through it because I, I started reading Neuromancer. Um, so I'm halfway through two books. It's really, really good. The writing's great. The um, English translation translation does a really nice job as far as I can tell. And from what people have said online, it's a really great book and you get a lot of insight into the minds of all of the students that are uh, participating in this event. And it's, it's a really, really good read and really very compelling so far. Um, and it's terrifying. Unlike some of the Hunger Games, it seems like since it was written for kids primarily, and this was more of an adult book, it feels like he's able to take that extra step to make it a little like bit more... Like, it's more graphic. It's more, more violent. It's not dialogue. like, oh, and then they were shot with an arrow and killed. It was like, no, yeah. and the blood exploded yes. and his eye Yeah, there's a lot more description. This child laid dead. It's, and, 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 and because of that, it's more horrifying because yeah. it's it's more laid bare, like, that these are children who are killing each and, other. I mean, you, you guys know what it's like when, when a Japanese creator goes nuts with gore and violence. <laughs> yes. it's, it's basically that. Yeah, and there was a huge backlash when this book came out. A I know, huge, yeah, a huge I backlash. That. And then also, too, the, the same thing with the movie. There was a huge backlash when the movie came out and became a cult a cult favorite. But yeah, no, I highly recommend um, Battle Royale. I haven't finished it yet, but I highly recommend it. But you don't have to pick my word for it. Uh, and actually, there's a, a book that's, I don't know how many issues it's in, but recent, recent Marvel title. Uh, it's called Avengers Arena. And it's where a lot of the teen characters, uh, both from Avengers Initiative and, uh, and, and various X books, are similarly, like, it's a very self-aware they trap these characters in an arena and force them to kill each other. And of course, Arcade is one of the people, or maybe the only factor behind it. Uh, and it's, they've had covers parodying the, uh, the posters for Battle Royale, Hunger Games, Lord of the Flies. Mm. Um, so it's very self-aware. I read the first issue and didn't really care for it, because, primarily because I actually like the characters a lot. And I think doing, doing away with them in this weird kind of uh, brutal manner is mm-hmm. not respectful to uh, their their fans it's not letting them evolve in an organic matter even if mm. they just even if they just blacklisted them and stuck right. them and they in just like, they didn't if, use them again yeah if they just yeah. existed in the aether and maybe showed up a little bit later if sure. a creator chose to use them i think that would be better than uh horrifically killing them on page mm. um but it is what it is it's happening so if you're interested in that it's th- that's out there but mm. it's it's a weird it's like that's a genre now mm. young people yeah. killing each other yeah, i know well the, the cool thing about this book too is that morning like, glories even fits into that a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i mean the cool thing about this book too is that it, it, it 
where in Hunger Games, it's all separate people and it's just two tributes from each district. They don't know each other. This is a class that has grown up together. So those relationships are very solid. Right. Which is, which is the Avengers thing. Actually. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's a very compelling, like there's, you know, a high, uh, like two, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, like end up committing suicide because they don't want to either kill each other or be killed or see each other being killed. So they jump mm. off a cliff and it's like, you know, it's very Japanese. It's, it's good. <laughs> if it was very Japanese, the man's penis would turn into an iron drill as he had sex with his woman for the last. Well, I'm just time. saying it's very Japanese because they killed each killed themselves. Oh, seppuku. Hey, seppuku desu. You bring a great shame and dishonor above our house. <laughs> house. John, you been reading anything? I haven't been reading any normal books, but Te- I have been reading manuals. this crazy like blog called Sci-Fi Interfaces. That sounds awesome. That sounds relevant to this episode. Yeah, no, it is fantastic. They've been watching like Fifth Element and every single fucking technology, any little bit that they interact with. They like talk about what they can figure out from like looking at the scene. Talk about like how it is either fantastic or horrible. Why didn't you tell me about this? We're telling you now. You're you're telling me there's a fucking blog, John, that follows the movie Fifth Element and tries to rationalize every bit of technology in that follows sci-fi movies it just happens that fifth element has like so many weird oh little God. things in it you know like every it, it, scene you, follow, you come you into there's bullet. something going on <laughs> you fire one bullet and every other bullet goes straight back to the target yes yes he um he did that one y'all patented ice cube system and the flamethrower <laughs> my personal favorite <laughs> yeah yeah no he he was even like uh since i can't really describe this better than zorg himself i'm just going to like have an excerpt of what he said right here there you go <laughs> But then he goes on to saying, like, having a flashing red button on the side that causes the damn thing to explode with seemingly no delay seems like kind of a psychotic, crazy thing to have. Like, you know, like and whether or not there was actually a way to select like which weapon he's using, they weren't really sure because they couldn't actually see, you know, if there was any like switch on the side of the gun. It's like if it's anywhere, it would have to be like over down here. And like, you know, is that really a good thing? It would need to be touch based so that, you know, they could actually feel automatically what mode they were switching to so there wasn't any surprises if there was a delay it's not a bad thing as exhibited by the secondary weapons feature on one or two guns in perfect dark just saying (laughs) (laughs) just saying if your gun explodes it's probably a pretty good idea as a a last ditch countermeasure if you're thinking of exploding anyway you've got a damn good reason like uh, you're talking about like the super dragon right I believe so. That yeah, yeah. Well, you was that the only one that that one, right? Like there was a subtle. It was like a grenade delay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) point being is is that he goes over everything. He talks about stuff like you know, is this navigation menu actually going to be useful for these like military personnel? Yes. Uh, Is the uh, you know checking of the apartments where like the police come in and lock everybody down like. You know, does that work well, or is it like fucking scary as all shit? Well, from which perspective? I'm a meat popsicle. Atawash. Atawash. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, literally, he goes over everything in the entire film. It's fantastic. I think it's like uh, two writers or something. That's really will cool. Will we uh, post a link to this so I can look at it later? We will. All right, cool. But don't take my word for it. And once again, that's not the only <laughs> thing that they've done, but they, it's, it's taken them quite a long time to work their way through Fifth Element because that movie is nothing but interfaces. It's nothing but brilliant. I understand. It, exactly. <laughs> and Brandon, you, you've, you haven't read a thing? I haven't been reading per se. You know, I've been reading this book, which I'm almost I'm, done I'm with. I'm just trying to figure out how much the government is going to give me this month. They're... <laughs> okay, well, based on the fact that I only have like 60 pages to go, and that's more than most things, you're going to get a bunch. 
cool so i almost completed one book i'm gonna finish it after this tonight and these get these get these are this is an extra point book because it's so it's like the vocabulary is so high we get you can get some extra money it is a black label book yeah more more importantly brandon you are going to get a personal pan pizza no it's like it's like the gold star star, buddy it's bonus round it's like double points it's you'll get a lot (laughs) i i i really want a personal pan pizza right now i've been reading but it's been in the form of playing a video game and then reading the text when it pops up during, say, the loading screen ah. or the story. Dare I ask, what are you playing right now? It is a game that came out called Soul Sacrifice. Look uh-huh. it up. Uh, it's, it's very fun for me. Please look it up. I'm not telling you anything else. Why it's on not? the PS Vita. It's on the Vita only. Just give me a quick summary. What kind of game is it? Soul Sacrifice. Here's a summary. You're a man trapped in a cage made out of flesh and bone suspended in air with like thousands of other cages of dying or dead people. A weird sorcerer guy it has control of the world and you're about to be executed uh within whatever a few days there's this book you find with an eyeball and a you know fleshy face and it talks to you kind of like the necronomicon and you have days to read this book and relive past sorcerers lives to learn how to do magic to escape hmm. okay that's essentially the, that? the premise i that am intrigued cool. <laughs> it's called soul sacrifice and you can leave the pages of the book anytime when you're done with the mission and like crawl around your cage and swap bugs and do cool things you know Awesome. Okay. So there you go. Soul Sacrifice. Vita only. I'm the only one who has a Vita, so it doesn't matter. I have somebody else who has a Vita. And you can play online. There you go. Cap, what have you been reading? After I finished Neuromancer, I thought that it was high time I did something I've been kind of not doing for a while. Uh, I've been been meaning to do for a while. I'm in the process of reading uh, Ray Kurzweil's Age of Spiritual Machines. Mm. It's an it's an old book. It's a book we talk about a lot, as well as his his book following that. The singularity is near. and uh is the singularity near it's it's upon us john says yes yeah i mean he keeps saying (laughs) it's really kind of funny that you're reading the spiritual machine because you should really just read the singularity is near it's basically like the updated version practically i'm I'm interested in the drama that he puts in like the 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 fiction that he incorporates to illustrate what he's talking about Um, what's the girl that he constantly uses i'm trying to remember i haven't gotten there yet um uh, he's he's always talking about his ai girlfriend that you know like (laughs) i guess that's a little bit my relationship with this book is you know that like ray kurtzwell and his futurist ideas are we talk about them all the time on the show it's going to the things he's predicted will inevitably define then you know the rest of our lives and in some ways as far as how the the world is working what's crazy is is that i believe that um the Singularities Near came out in like 2005. Age of Spiritual Machines came out like when? Like uh, 1999 or something like that? Uh, yes. Yes, I think so. What he has talked about since then is that, you know, not only was he pretty much on target from Spiritual Machine and his estimation, well, uh, I f- estimations I his, into... Um, his timetable's off a little bit, but, you know, it's close but, enough. Well, but it's it, it's still like really pretty close, though. And, and that's what's so interesting about it, because like right now, for example, from... a you know, he's only gotten better at it, basically. So now from the singularity is near to like, you know, at least like 2011, he was like, you know, we're, we're right on schedule, basically. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking about having a, an AI capable of, you know, realizing that it's actually alive, basically, in like 2029, you know, mm. like and like what he keeps saying is, is that because of the nature of the logarithmic progression, we won't even really notice quite that we're there. And all of a sudden it'll just like, we'll wake up one day and we'll be like, Oh God, what just happened? Needlessly comparing religious practices and science. I think that's sort of obnoxious, Uh, but it's a bit like no, like having gone to church and, and being familiar with many concepts and verses from the Bible 
but not actually having read the Bible itself is kind mm. of is kind of these not me not having read these books. And and so it's an interesting experience. And my my initial contact with it was in the form of of a cons, a rough roughly defined concept album by Our Lady Peace. Uh, they did this this record named after the book called Age of Spiritual Machines. You know they've had their highs and lows in their music career. One of the members of the band saw this book on the shelf, and it was shiny. Uh, the, I love this story. It's just so ridiculous. The, the, the original the original pressing of the book had a holographic cover. And so he picked it up and was fascinated by it and contacted Ray Kurzweil and they uh, had him read excerpts of the book, which they incorporated into the album. And uh, it's not actually, it doesn't, the, I don't feel like the album doesn't really have a narrative or anything and it doesn't really reflect the content of the books too much, but the parts that Kurzweil reads are very interesting. And there's one track in there that's very much influenced by the book that's maybe the strongest thing they've ever written because they're not particularly strong lyricists. So the music's good, but the lyrics aren't all that good. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of a... There's a little bit fake congregation tidbit for you there. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so basically, I'm excited to be reading it and excited to see where it goes. The other thing I've read is a, a short book. It's by David Lynch, the, the filmmaker. Uh, it's called Catching the Big Fish, Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity. And it's interesting. Uh, is there an audiobook of that book? There is an audiobook. Oh of my this God, book. is David it read by David Lynch? Or yes. Will Wheaton? It's read by David Lynch. Okay. <laughs> and I hear it's hilarious. That's awesome. Um, because it sounds exactly like you think it does. It's basically Gordon Cole reading a book. Well, that, um, that brings up an interesting question of, is it better to read the book or listen to the book if the author himself is reading it's it? It's better to read the book because anybody who's amused by the character of Gordon Cole from Twin Peaks <laughs> will, be, will, will be laughing too much to, uh, <laughs> to really get the messages in this book. I assume. I assume. He, maybe, he, maybe it's easy for me to imagine him speaking in that ridiculous voice, mm. but I, I, you know, I've, I've heard him speak normal. It's probably fine. But <laughs> I, I was told, I was told, no, just listen to the audiobook. That's all you need. But having read the book, uh-huh. I, I feel that for me to really understand what he's getting at, I really need to contemplate the words rather than listen to him speak. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting because it's, uh, I, I don't really know how many chapters there are, but it's, it's a gigantic laundry list because these chapters are between uh, a sentence and a few paragraphs long. And they're more like anecdotes. It's kind of like, uh, what if you took someone's autobiography and just trimmed it down to the bare bones parts that were actually of note author wanted to get across the most? So as opposed to needlessly constructing a narrative about his life, he's written about his life and some musings he's had as notes. So mm-hmm. it's this, just this kind of big selection of ideas. And uh, he, he, the reason I'm reading it is because uh, Luke from from nerdy show and uh, as of of luke's late to everything and so on and framing hanley and, and, fra- and framing hanley yes uh we 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 decided we wanted to to look into things we could do to biologically hack our brains hmm. what i i've i've dabbled in in meditation but it hasn't really done much for me can Conven- coffee can- do that <laughs> yeah but but not in a good way e- for some evil people. so and it hasn't really done much for me but david lynch practices transcendental meditation and mm. i looked into that and that's a whole that's a whole thing you got to like throw down thousands of dollars and get into a secret club. And I don't really know how I feel about it, but I wanted to see what his take on it is because I, <clears throat> I really respect him as a, as a, as a, you know, creator of, of fine things. He is a level five laser Lotus. <laughs> Most definitely, <laughs> but don't take our word for it. So, so th- this book, it, it touches on his experience with transcendental meditation, which he's been doing throughout his entire career and how uh, meditations improve his life and the kinds of ideas he has and, Moments he remembers where he's had brilliant ideas, like when he created the Red Room in Twin Peaks, he remembers that exact moment and why he had that thought and mm. so on. 
and it, it's it's interesting stuff. Some of it I could I could take or leave, but uh, but all in all, it's as someone who struggles with their own creativity and figuring out the best way for me to be creative and, and do all that stuff. It's interesting to see how someone else works. Interesting, and and it'll have bizarre things like a chapter called "The Box and the Key," and the only contents of it is the sentence which reads, "I don't have a clue what those are." And that's completely out of context. There's nothing else. Mm. Like, and, and what was interesting to me is that that's a very, you know, it's easy to be, well, that's just a weird chapter. But I'm, I actually, like, I was like, I can, much as, as you, well, you would view a painting, I immediately placed meaning into it, whether right. I wanted to or not. So right. it, was, it was interesting. It, I think... Yeah, I, like I, that. I think that was a very it's, that was a very, very clever move on his part. So are we talking about the rhetorical box then? Like, I don't think about boxes and in the box or out of the box. It could mean anything. It could it, mean anything. It, it's, yeah, like, it, I hate this it, metaphor. It, it applies specifically to you. And yeah. what, what, what it has, it is, it is exactly whatever you think it is. For instance, the box is a vagina and the key is his penis to me. Sure. That's, and, and he doesn't know what those other parts because his parents never talk about the birds and the bees and he's been socially damaged and he's awkward around women and sexually inactive. <laughs> Obviously. So, you don't have to take Brandon's word for it. No, you have to take my word for it. <laughs> you will take my word for it. Audi- speaking of the audiobook actually reminded me of something because uh-huh. when I when I drove down to Nashville uh-huh. I listened into I listened to an entire book yes um and it's actually it's a non it's a non nerdy book but it is it is um a very fun listen the and, notebook yes no it's called uh, heads and beds have you guys heard about this book actually no. yes it's the sequel to bed knobs and broomsticks <laughs> no it's a rec- <laughs> uh, heads and beds a reckless memoir of hotels hustles and so-called hospitality by jacob tomsky it's it's read by him and it's basically a story of his career in the hotel business in the hospitality business and like what he went through and the guests that he's experienced and stuff like that and the really cool thing is not only is it hilarious because like there's tons of customer service like experiences that are funny Ugh. but um yeah i know but the, you you get fun. i get it and i don't think i'd ever listen to it just because of that yeah but, well, yeah, but it's, I understand. it's funny yes, if you yes. haven't worked in that field probably no no no. i found it funny because i've worked in customer service because i'm like oh i had that guy before you know what i mean so mm-hmm. but, maybe i will listen to it but the cool thing about this book is that it explains to you like how to exploit the hotel system like <laughs> it's he's like he's like this is how you will never have to pay for the mini bar ever again and he like tells you how to do it. And he's like, this is how, and then he's also like, oh, it's got a sensor. Here's a way to fix that. And then like, he's like, I'm, I've been a front desk agent for all this time. Like, and then he tells you like, it's very interesting because I've been awkward about tipping. Like when you tip people, like how do you feel about tipping people like Bellman and all that kind of stuff? And how does that work? And how much should you give them and all that kind of stuff? But the way that he explains it and the way he talks about it makes you feel less awkward about doing so. And <laughs> it's just like, Hey, I'm doing you a favor and you're doing your job. So this is how you make your money. You, you're, you're not like it's it's good. It's it's a really it's a really interesting book that I thoroughly enjoyed. And like, it's not like a stuffy, like, how, how do you do this? How thing? to rip off the man. Yeah, no, no, it's like, like he uses like words like fuck and motherfucker and like shit and like all sorts of like, I can relate to words cool like guy. that. He sounds like a cool guy. So heads and beds. Good listen. It's a really good listen, but you don't heads take my words. In beds? Heads in my word. He- heads in my words for it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't take Colin's fucking words for it. Yeah. Heads in bed sounds like something completely different for me, like a porn. Right. Okay. Well, it would. I mean, it's obvious. Girl, it's yeah. time for you to give heads in beds. <laughs> That's the guy actually still doing that noise. See, in the porn I write, it's the guy who does the music. It's going to be the weirdest porn I write. Girl comes in, guy's there. 
girl starts doing stuff to him and he's doing the music while it's happening. He's like, <laughs> he's just standing there. The girl's slobbing on his knobbing and he's like, he's just staring at her with his eyes. He's not blinking because he's on drugs and he's staring at her eyes going, and she's just going down at him like she's going to be slaughtered. That's it. And it, you know, what is slaughtered? <laughs> well, at, the, at the end, he kills her because I'm writing. You know, that's he's, what impa- I he's impaling okay, her. So, Brandon, it's a snuff film. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon's sexual issues will not be the subject of debate. We'll just go along with it. Um, <laughs> There's going to be a bird in there somewhere. Maybe a stork just in the window the whole time. And that stork is staring. That stork is staring at the man who's making that sound, and the bird is going. Now the bird's just flapping his wings. He's not doing anything. <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about uh, briefly about the book that we're going to be. Uh, oh my god! Next time, and it's your turn. It's, Cap. My, it's my pick, and I don't know what it is. So surprise me. Okay. Um, I, I had a really tough time deciding. He did. I, I did. saw him sitting out with like five books in front oh, of his floor trying Lion to figure King, it out. Lion King, Lion King, Lion King. A book? Oh shit! I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it was originally. Oh, what Hamlet? Anyway, <laughs> and it was also Sim, uh, Kimba the White Lion, which is a Japanese. I dispute the similarities there. It's really a stretch. Anyway, so I decided we've been reading a lot of science fiction, and uh, that's you know let's let's shake it up. This might be you know nerdy show book club, and and sci fi fantasy may be the default. So I thought, oh, fantasy, I'll do fantasy, but I really couldn't settle on anything. So instead, I went for something not necessarily directly nerdy, but definitely fun, and one of my favorite books of all time, and that is Sick Puppy by Carl Hyacin. This book, uh, I've read it a few times it i guess technically it's in the uh the mystery genre but only be- by because hyacin tends to write things that get put in that category in the bookstore but it's more like a crime comedy you could say so is it like realism like realistic or like in this modern day world or it, it's in this modern day world it okay. was uh written in 2000 and it's the story of a uh, would-be environmental terrorist with a heart of gold who stalks Does a guy. Does he have a soul of silver? Uh, <laughs> All terrorists believe they have a heart of gold. I'm just saying. Well, that. That, that's that's true. He stalks a guy for uh, throwing a uh, hamburger carton out of a car on uh, on the turn the Florida Turnpike, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and follows him from Central Florida all the way down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, and wow. uh, and then uh, proceeds to kidnap. It's a his, long ride to be pissed. It, it is a long I, ride. I see to be why pissed. you picked this book. He proceeds to kidnap uh, his uh, the guy's wife and dog. <laughs> And then this big uh, dramatic scenario erupts involving the the governor and an island with an endangered toad and a former governor who's a recluse and um, and has a bunch of bird skulls woven into his beard and uh, my dream and a, and a hitman who uh, listens to nine one one calls recreationally. <laughs> so uh, it's it's really it's a really 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 fun book. Awesome. Um, it's on on my list of movies I hope to see someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is there an audio book? There is, and it's no, I it's, don't want to listen. It's to awful, audio. actually. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the guy mispronounces a bunch of. I'm assuming words. every book at this point has an audio version. It's just best not to. <laughs> well, no, well, I feel like there was a there was a tipping point when audiobooks became started to become popular. It was like when iPods and all that kind of stuff started to become popular because listen to a book on the go. Well, yeah, because you don't need to look at shit anymore. Well, no, I mean like some of them were good, but I feel like the audiobook changed because like the productions changed because like more people were buying them, so they were able to put more time into the audiobooks. So the the quality of the audiobooks are much better. Oh, so you're saying they're better now? That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a really fun book it's a really funny book as repeat listeners of nerdy show book club will know that i'm a big fan of john d mcdonald and actually i became a fan of john d mcdonald via carl hyacin who is a fan of john d mcdonald whose name is mentioned once or twice in this book 
actually, and uh, and I sort of discovered him through him, and it's this whole circle of uh, South Floridian writers and everything, and I obviously connect with it because I, I grew up in some of the <clears> settings <throat> of this of this book, but I, I, I think I'd like to, you know, like bring, bring a little bit of, uh, of South Floridian culture to, uh, yeah, to the masses, to, 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 to nerdy, to the nerdy show reading, uh, reading audience. Readership. Here. Cause we yeah. have, of course, are in Florida and been, we were from South Florida. Yeah. Technically. Yes. M- most, most of the core nerdy show crew is from South Florida. Yes. And, um, uh, and, and there's folks all over the world who are listening to nerdy show that can experience in South Florida. Like I wasn't you know, born in Florida. Thank God. Like you people, but yeah. Like whatever, whatever but I did means. live there. Yes. You, you lived here most of your damn life, so yeah. uh, deal with it. And uh, <laughs> and and this, th- though absurd and comedic, this is it's in a way uh, an accurate portrayal of the the crazy sort of stuff that happens here. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very proud of that. So I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. And we're going to be reading. It should be a pretty fast read. It's a it's a very entertaining novel. I feel. And it came out in 2000. 2000. Yeah. And so that means that it's probably available in some used bookstores. Totally. And it's available online on yeah. Amazon as well as in Kindle form. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So whatever you're fancy, you can fancy it up. And, with and of sick course puppy. you can uh, follow the links on this episode's page and uh, buy it through our Amazon associate, etc., etc. Have you read the most absurd thing? What's that? The last page. A note on the t- on the type. It's about the font used in the book. That's it. It says this book was set in Minion, a typeface produced by the Adobe Corporation specifically for the Macintosh personal computer released in 1990, designed by Robert Slimblack. Blah 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 blah. Uh, it combines the classic characteristics of old style faces with the full complement of weights required for modern typesetting, and then it has like a list of people and like where they're from and how who like who created this font. There's an entire thing dedicated to the font used in the book. That happens a, uh, more than you'd think, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. Writers really dig their font. Denica is actually obsessed with fonts, and she, when I'm like, it's a fucking font, how hard can it be? And she's like, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I'm it's like, okay. true. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Font is important. Gives it a mood. Dude, we only need one font on this planet, and obviously it's Wingdings. No, it's Comic <laughs> Sans, man. Comic Sans all the way. Comic Sans 24-7. Which, which way is the exit? Dead. Heart... Clover club thing, Dash. airplane, yeah. airplane, yin yang, uh, yin yang, yin email, yin yang. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna cut to a song, and when we get back, we're gonna do a reading from a film adaptation. What is it gonna be? Find out. Let's cut to some moody electronic scoring for the movie in your head. This is something new from Makeup and Vanity Set, the act that formed initially to simply create the uh, Proto Men Chiptunes album and went on to basically follow up on the work that John Carpenter started years ago in his film scores. This is from his new album, 7252148, and this is the first single off the album called Praxis. We'll be right back. 
And now reading of Judge Dredd, a novel by Neil Barrett Jr., based on the screenplay by William Wisher and Stephen E. De Souza. Chapter 5, page 29. Our backup isn't coming, Judge! Our backup is somewhere else! Caught in another street fight! Huh, she raised a visor again and gave him a chilling look. You're wrong, Briscoe. Article 19 says a judge in pursuit of his or her duty is never abandoned. When a judge requires aid, aid will be reconsidered in sufficient force to remedy the situation in question. Have you read the articles, Rookie? Sure, but, but this time... There is no this time. The articles apply to every time. Do you read me? Do you? Hershey jerked around as a deep roll of thunder reached her ears. The thunder exploded and a black lawmaster burst through the curtain of flame. The rider slammed a heavy boot on the brakes, splitting his machine in a circle, blasting the scent of rubber into the smoky air. Gunfire ringed the man in a cage of hot steel. Briscoe stared. Who the... who the hell's that? He's a sitting duck out there! Shut up and pay attention! Hershey said. You might learn something! Flames licked at the dark figure's heels. He stalked through the fire, ignoring the chatter of weapons from overhead. Lifting the speaker mic from his lawmaster, he turned and let his visored gaze sweep the tall buildings on every side. Drop your weapons, everybody. This block is under arrest. His voice filled the streets echoing off the dark walls. Holy crud! Briscoe raged up and blinked. It's him! It's Dread! High-pitched laughter rang from the tenant overhead. You want us? Come up and get us, Dreddy! Yeah, come up and get us, okay? Gunfire dug up chunks of pavement at Judge Dredd's feet. Judge Dredd, take cover! Briscoe shouted. Dredd ignored him. He walked over and looked down at Briscoe, then at Hershey. What are you doing down here, Judge Hershey? Waiting for backup! Hershey said. Backup's here? He slapped the side of his lawgiver. <laughs> Let's go. Keep it simple. Standard relay, single fire. I'm point. Hershey nodded. Briscoe straightened, eagerly snapping to attention in front of Dread. Judge, I would consider it an honor if you allowed me to. You. Dread raised a gloved hand and pointed past Hershey. Back there. Your tail end, Charlie. Go. Dread turned away. He looked at his weapon and spoke. Grenade. Sigh. The, the door exploded and slammed against the far wall. Dredge stepped inside. He looked at the trash and the darkened elevator shaft. Upstairs, the perpetrator's fire comes from six. Oh my god. He kicked the door, the stairwell aside, and started up. It was nearly pitch dark, and he didn't use a light. He kept up a hard and steady pace and didn't stop until they reached six. Hershey was grateful. She hadn't slacked off on her ace jacks routine, the advanced street judge exercise program. Briscoe was breathing hard behind her. She hoped Dredd didn't hear that. Dredd paused in the stairwell, peered around the corner, then stepped into the hall, sweeping with his weapon from left to right. Everything is clear, let's go. Dredd started off, then abruptly raised his arm and stopped. The food cart rounded the corner. It was moving slowly now, dragging a trail of garbage in its wheels. 
Delicious and helpful ration packs, piping hot and ready to eat. Dredd glanced at the robot and shook his head. Bending at the knees, he made his way swiftly down the hallway, listening to the walls. At 666, he stopped and raised his hand. Motioned Hershey to the left, Briscoe to the right. Lawful entry, everyone. Dredd said aloud. Suspicion of felons with illegal weapons inside. He drew back a lever on his lawgiver and blew the door apart. The metal jacket and needle teeth turned from the window and stared. It's red! Metal jacket went white and swept his automatic weapon toward the door. Armed and resisting arrest. The lawgiver jerked in Dredd's hands. Metal jacket and needle teeth splattered against the wall and exploded in flames. Smoking flesh slid to the floor. This room is pacified, said Dredd. Hershey, stay with me. Briska, check the hall. Uh, yes, sir. Y you got it, Judge. I've told you people not to use gender address for a judge, Hershey said. Don't you ever listen? Briska, look out! Hershey saw the figure appear in the doorway. Briska was looking at Dredd. Purple ears grinned, raised his pistol in a blur, and shot Briscoe in the head. Hershey turned on the man, but Judge Dredd was already there. He swept the lawgiver in an arc and rammed the butt hard in Purple Ears' gut. Purple Ears dropped his weapon, gagged, and grabbed his belly. Dredd hit him in the jaw. Hershey went to Briscoe at once. She raised his visor, saw what was there, and shut her eyes. Dredd looked at Briscoe for a full ten seconds. One, two, three. Then he stepped over to the man on the floor and pooped him with his foot. With his boot. <laughs> and pooped him with his penis. You have obscenities written all over your head. Are you aware that's a violation of the law? Purple Ears looked up at Dredd. He spat a mouthful of blood on the floor and laughed. <laughs> hey, are you kidding me or what? You gonna arrest me or something? Then do it, man. Mega City Municipal Code 334-8. Dredge said. Willful destruction of property two years, blah, blah. Listen, pal. Code 11-5, or don't interrupt me. Illegal possession of weapons five years. Code 34-8, resisting arrest 20 years. All right. I give up. You's best taking me in. Purple Ears raises hands. Nine or eight zero for assault on a judge with a deadly weapon. Purple Ears forced a weak grin through bloody teeth. Don't tell me. Life, right? No. Dredd said. Death. He squeezed the trigger of his weapon, squeezed it and didn't stop. Purple Ears began to sizzle like bacon in a pan. Putrid steam rose up to the ceiling and floor turned black. Hershey swallowed hard, but she wouldn't look away. <laughs> it's not even... I don't know why we laughed at that. Just, she swallowed her... I guess I do Yes, know. you do. You know exactly why. Well, he's ramming people in the butt hard. Hershey <laughs> swallowed hard as well. <laughs> A street judge didn't betray her feelings. She didn't throw up. She maintained her cool at all times. Dread released the trigger. Cart is adjourned, he said. That's what you get for doing stuff I don't like. You shouldn't be doing that. That's illegals. That's all illegals in here. Everyone's arrested. Get out. I'm gonna get out of my motorcycle. It's shiny. LOL. Okay, thanks. Bye. My BFF chill.
<laughs> and that concludes our reading of... <laughs> I can go on forever if you really want. Of, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can. Of Judge Dredd, a novel by Neil Barrett Jr. None and of if, that stuff at the end happened that I said, by the way. I just made that up. Well, yeah, actually... I'm that you, good. If that, you this guys, is accurate to the Stallone version of Judge Dredd. Yeah, if you guys want <laughs> oh, to I should hear, mention, this is the Stallone Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you guys want to hear uh, actually some of the stuff you're, if you want to hear an extended version of what Brandon said, you we probably we can, don't we can, actually. We can tell you straight, straight up right now that there's a crap ton we record on this episode that is not going to make it in the episode. Yeah, if you support us by just a buck. This is, the, this is the part of the episode where we tell you how great you are, which is true, and how you can help us keep making awesome episodes. We've had a lot of new people. Nude who, people? We've had a lot of potentially nude people. I mean, like you're on the internet. You can do whatever. Um <laughs> So we've had a lot of new contributors, new supporters who are old listeners showing up uh, lately. And that's been really, really cool to see somebody writing. Hey, I've been listening to you guys for a really long time. I haven't ever supported before. Here's some support money. That, that really means a lot to us. We have a huge list of people who supported us in May. It was slow going at first, but then it just exploded. And I mean, thank you guys so much. I was worried we were going to like come up short this month. But it's that uh, release of D&D, man. <laughs> that, that is actually a very similar analogy to how I go to the bathroom. It's slow going, but then it just explodes. It's horrible. Good. It's very painful, Captain. You guys don't realize. <laughs> I need to start giving myself coffee enemas. Anyway, what were you saying? Oh, we got some supporters <laughs> who, for some reason, give us money. Even <laughs> <laughs> a little off topic. Sorry, coffee, coffee enema, yeah. razor girl tributes. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to give a shout out to Robert Stoneback, Sean Red, Durafago, Cork said, "What's this? Seven days left in the month, and the goal hasn't been yet." Well, no fear, Cork is here. Adam Wolfinger said, "I just want to say thank you for all the hours of amusement and music that I've been introduced to here. Love all the RPG gamecasts going on, especially D and D, which led me here." Tyler Conrad said, "Got a new job and decided that I'd incentivize the production of D and D." 25 was well worth the wait. However, you really should stop claiming that you don't need to listen to book one to get the series. <laughs> and actually, maybe that's how it's interpreted, so that's not good. But we've never really said that... You shouldn't listen you to sh- it. We never said you shouldn't listen to book one. It, mostly it's our concern that in the early days, when, say, we were halfway through book one of D&D... Uh, days of yore. We were... When, <laughs> back when you were young and you still had all your teeth. And days of old when knights were bold and Cher was still alive. Yeah. In the year of 1314. Spoiler alert, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd get messages from people being like, I was told to listen to this and it's unlistenable. The audio quality is terrible. And, and they're right. The audio quality is terrible, which is why I've got a longstanding project of going back and fixing them. But... When we started the new season of D&D, well, we thought we'd create a jumping on point like any comic book collection. I would love people to go back, but my hope would be that they would start until we remaster season one, that they'd start listening to season two and get involved and then go back. Or just bear with it and understand it was I mean, the early days. Yeah. It just, you know, anybody who's listen, who starts listening to, to book one of D&D will have no clue how refined the audio gets in present D&D. So that, that's really why we started doing that. But I mean, I want people to hear all of our stories. It's not that I'm ashamed of those stories. I just sometimes people laugh. And, and if you're listening to headphones, uh, your ears bleed. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the interactivity of it all. <laughs> so hopefully we'll have enough spare time to take care of that someday. I'm partially done with the first episode, but not all of it. So, you know, someday. Big Bad Shadow Man says, it seems you guys need some help for this month and for the great episode of D&D. Also, War Machine. 
and fucking war machine sent us a lovely contribution yes i'm saying it right now it's been mentioned on the forum so it's not just me i it would be awesome to have some art of war machine because dear lord uh brandon oh my god w- war machine was where shinobi mc's character the orc was uh ridden by colin's character and also brian's character to form war machine okay because i thought you meant the war machine from iron man no that makes more sense sort of, <laughs> sort of. it's a dagger throwing hair braiding sword swinging machine of death you know i don't watch that D show i don't have cable i just can't get it and i can't find it on pirate bay well, good thing it's free on nerdy show anyway uh dr gamer scientist said listen to the dungeons doritos finale yesterday and absolutely loved it just submitted the first of what will hopefully be many donations in the future to Nerdy Show. I started listening to your show a few years ago while I was in grad school. Your show was vital in getting me through some of the really low points those years when experiments wouldn't work and I thought I'd never get out. Oh wow. my god, when experiments wouldn't, what does he do? Uh, Dr. Gamer Scientist is his name. Can he like... Grad school? Does that mean he owes us? Because uh, he there's some experiments <laughs> with birds I really need to get done. I need to get this shit done. Put like, some feathers on my body, change my DNA, hollow bones, fuck yeah. <laughs> you can do it dr scientist dude help me out what's his full name dr gamer scientist dr gamer scientist contact me <laughs> he goes on to say now that i'm out and have a slightly better paying but barely postdoc i'm hoping to throw some more money your way on the regular after the recent amazing finale to dungeons and doritos i felt this was the perfect time to start thanks so much for all the wonderful material including DD, pokeballs of steelix and flame on and, and thank you for listening that that is Truly awesome. Truly, truly. It's been a while for Pokemon's Steelix. Yeah, we'll we'll have another one soon. Someday. But we we got the Paranoia XP episode coming out soon. Arkea said, too much awesomeness this month for me to list in such a confined space. So I'll just say, keep up the amazing work. Thanks, guys. Kaolis contributed to us during our Kamaglocklathon. Um, (laughs) He said, going to see Star Trek Into Darkness, keep on trucking the marathon. All right, if you're going to see that movie, now obviously... by the time this comes out, you've probably seen it. Yes. Turn off your brain. You're either going to love it or hate it. Please, please post in the forums which, because, you know, it goes both ways. Turn off your brain and then you'll enjoy it. <laughs> you don't need a brain for the new Star Trek movies. Sounds like we might have to have a discussion about that. But I do love we'll- Comcatcher, though. He's a- I like him as the villain. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name, isn't it? It is now. Benedict Comcatcher? Comcatcher. He was in Sherlock. He's great. <laughs> Sherlock's great, by the way. If you haven't seen Sherlock, go see it. The BBC version, obviously not the stupid American version. Well, the stupid American version is called Elementary and is obviously uh, a drama about an elementary school teacher. <laughs> Viral Demon says, donating to bless the stream, all again during our McLaughlathon, not the stream of poop constantly flowing from Brandon. Uh, let it be a good one. And because I don't have enough microsodes, and yes, he earned a microsode. God damn did it. He say, did he say what he wanted yet? No, I don't know what That's he wants gonna yet. It's going to be terrifying. Email me back, dude. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Brent Brichard said, in the same way people want to see the next Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, I'm excited to see the next Dungeons and Doritos. Thank you for making such a great podcast. So AMC should really pick up that D&D show you got. Well, that was a cool. great show. It is a great show. The, you've got the stories done, pretty much. Right, they just have to adapt them for the screen. Just get Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Who are not television actors, but okay. Well, they're going to have to be soon. <laughs> They just came out with their own wine, I think. I just It's called like Bradgelina or something. Really? Yeah, it's retarded. Ugh. I think it's made of tears. From their children, their adopted children? <laughs> yes, it's a rosé. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, th- thanks so much for um, for contributing, guys. It really means the world to us. And not only did you guys help us make the initial monthly goal, you also surpassed our stretch goal. That means you get two extra things this month. Both a selection of outtakes from the latest episode of Dungeons & Doritos and also a Mad Libs about tree trunks from Adventure Time that uh, myself and the Ghostbusters and Tony did. <laughs> Yes. That D and D outtake has a ton of Galdap in it. It is. A ton it of is Galdap very Galdap heavy. You'll find out what OG stands for. It's, <laughs> it's not what you think. So again, thanks everyone. And um, there's more on the way. There's lots more on the way. And D and D book three will start as soon as we can get it going. Is, is that book Earth or book Fire? <laughs> We've got a lot of updates to the saga system that we're going to be incorporating so we can have more mathematical role-playing elements to it. And uh, our goal is, once Book 3 gets started, that it will 100% have a regular schedule, for sure, this time. And we're not going to throw any monkey wrenches like two dueling casts into Mm. the equation. Yes. Can there be a character who does throw monkey wrenches? A monkey that throws wrenches? Well, if you would ever go on the show oh god i hate monkeys i've been inviting you on D for how many years now very very sad lonely busy man depressed pooping busy man birds well look, look at my facebook look how many birds pictures i have man <laughs> this non-stop birds and work seriously guys um nerdy show would have died long ago had we not had such uh, amazing people listening to us so it's because of you guys that we continue doing the work that we do also the nerdy show puppy which we've been feeding based off of the money you give us and it will die as well (laughs) when the show dies so do not kill the nerdy show puppy that's a good way to think about it consider nerdy show is a puppy and it's still a puppy the, the nerdy show dog and and it will die if it doesn't get fed and that's 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 the truth <laughs> i do have a puppy and if nerdy show goes i'm sacrificing it to zeus so i can do something else he will give me powers or is it odin which one do i like better odin or zeus which one do i sacrifice well, dogs if it's to? zeus then it's a lightning dog obviously oh <laughs> shit <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for supporting us. If you want to read along with us, that would be super, super rad. It's been a few years since I've read Sick Puppy, but I have read it multiple times. I stand behind it being a good read and a fun read. So check out Sick Puppy by Carl Hyacin. We'll have a link to where you can pick it up on this episode's page and any of the other readings from this episode. Similar to previous book club episodes, if you have already read Sick Puppy or you read it before we get to the next book club recording. Discussion on the forums, man. Start it up. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Colin. Bye, I'm Brandon. I'm John. What we got closing us out here is the first single from the new forthcoming DJ RoboRob album, Solaris, which comes out July 7th.
Thank you for listening to the Nerdy Show Book Club. The uh, Nerdy Show Book Club is brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, Play and Trade Ovido, and listeners like yourselves. If you enjoyed what you heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend, picking up some merch at the Nerdy Store, or support us with your hard-earned pounds and receive exclusive perks. For more episodes of Nerdy Show Book Club, Nerdy Show Dungeons and Dritos, videos, contests, and other nerdy programming, please visit nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes Store. Follow us on Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter or at Nerdy Show. And get social with other Nerdy Show nerds at nerdyshow.com slash forums. But don't take our word for it. <laughs> I don't know what a razor girl is, I but I don't want to find out. I the poop out. was going to enter in the conversation. I didn't, I didn't enter the poop. The poop entered me, Colin. <laughs> entered the conversation. It's, I didn't bring you Soviet entered, Russia. And then it entered the toilet. <laughs> Sometimes it enters. If it makes it. Right. Past your mouth. <laughs> Shut up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.